While we're still bundling up against the winter cold and reminiscing about all the connections that we celebrated this Valentine's season, it's the perfect time for us to also take a moment out to really think about how our surroundings influence our connections, especially in our workplaces, where we spend so much of our time, energy, and creativity. That's what we're going to focus on today, y'all. How can we reshape our understanding of the spaces around us to unlock those superpowers that are hidden in plain sight? Our special guest today is Rebecca Swanner, a trailblazer in architectural engineering design and the workplace sector leader for HED. It's a firm that's redesigning the way that we think about and interact in office spaces. And in today's episode, we'll explore the way that these spaces can be designed to foster not just productivity, but also inclusion, energy, and yes, a bit of levity. So we'll see how our surroundings can be a catalyst for clarity, helping us to be present, to harness our authentic excellence, and to give voice to our ideas. And to give voice to our ideas so that we can build new solutions with our teammates. Brainstorming, yes. So whether you're at home, in the office, or anywhere in between, this episode is a must-listen for you. It's time for a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. Different people work better in different environments, and we know that. And some people need a lot of stimulation. Some people need no stimulation. They want something where where a lot of the outside input is removed. And so I think it's just an acceptance that different people work better in different environments and having that trust. I think with radical transparency also comes radical trust. That as long as your team is meeting their deliverables and their milestones, you trust them to make the right decisions to get the work done in the way that best works with them. I mean, their personalities, their intellect, like everything contributes to that. And now on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back, pick up your marbles and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker. Welcome back to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and I have the pleasure of introducing our next guest, Rebecca Swanner. Rebecca is the workplace sector leader for HED. It's an architectural and engineering design firm, and I'm really excited to have some conversations with her about how does the space that you're working in impact people? And as leaders, what can we do? to make sure that we're not only setting up the right space so that people can do the best work, but we're also helping get them acclimated to that space as well. So Rebecca, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am excellent. Uh, Thank you. I had some good news this morning, as I mentioned. So yeah, feeling good and energized. Yes, yes, yes. I have some good news too. As we speak, I am cruising in the Caribbean And I am so excited about that (laughs) because this weather has been so icky and it's so nice to just get away. So, Rebecca, I would love to learn a little bit more about the work that you all do at HED. Can you tell me, like, can you make 
space design exciting for people who don't do it every day? I hope I can. So as you mentioned, I'm a market sector leader for workplace. So I lead workplace focused projects. I'm based out of Los Angeles. So workplace in LA has a lot of, I would say, secondary spaces that are often included, whether it's a broadcast studio or a green screen room or a soundstage Mm. or a bar. There's all these other spaces we design also. But for me, what's really exciting about it is the human aspect of it. And every client I work with, their journey is different and their culture is different. And my privilege is that I get let in and I get to understand their culture and what their goals are for their company and how space can help, you know, Mm. in those goals. Yes, yes. What are some of the trends right now when it comes to to workspaces? Yeah, so it's interesting because everybody learned in a very real way that we can work from home. We can get it done. It might not be the most efficient. It might not be the most effective. It might not be the most inspiring, but we can get heads down work done. And so it's really a question now is, so what's the point of having an office? Mm -hmm. If, If we don't need it to do heads down work. Now, That's it's a generalization because there are people that still prefer to do heads down work in an office. Maybe they're earlier on in their careers and they have a tiny apartment and four dogs and 10 cats. (laughs) Maybe they're it's later in life and they have four children running around and there's a lot of distractions. Maybe they're there's So there's all different reasons why the office still has a place when it comes to heads down work. But I think for the first time, there's a huge focus on what does space provide other than a place to sit down and focus? You know, what are those things? And so I think one of the biggest trends and and that what, what people are talking about is that when the world shut down for COVID, people didn't feel connected and they didn't have a sense of community. And so the office now is really expected to to bear that and to provide a sense of community, a sense of belonging, a place for collaboration. Mm. Innovation requires in-person collaboration, and we know that. And so instead of people expecting to come to an office every day, nine to five, just because you're expected, Mm. the expectation is gone. And now you're coming in for a specific reason. Right. And so the space has to have specific spaces that support specific behaviors. So it's not a generalized space or strategy anymore. It's much more specific with what we're doing. Yes. I'm glad that you brought that up because I don't see the office as just this space for heads down work. I totally see it as an opportunity to connect with my colleagues, to get support for for different projects that we're working on, to brainstorm, to do all of these things. And and you're right that we missed that for so long and now we're coming back to it. So how do you help the those resistant people on the team who are saying, I don't think we need why do why are you telling me that I have to come in? It doesn't make sense to me. What do you say to them? Yeah, so I think. One thing um, that's really interesting is that, and this came out of some research that that Steelcase did, um, that they were sharing with me, is that people won't, um, people are resistant to policies, but they will commit to other people. Mm. So 
If there's a policy that's mandated and there's an email in your inbox Monday morning and it says you are now expected to be in the office Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all day, there's resistance, immediate resistance, walls go up, people are defensive, no one's happy. Okay, (laughs) here's a different approach. Your team gets together and says, "Okay, based on our lives, our schedules, our children, our aging parents, the bus schedule, whatever it is, we decide that it makes sense for us to come to Keletter come together and collaborate on these days at these times for these reasons. Mm. And then you commit to each other. We're all going to come in. This is our community. This is our team. We're going to support each other. And these are the days and the times we're going to come in. People commit to people. So I think it's also about the messaging, I think, is really is really important. And also sometimes it can't be lazy messaging. You can't just throw the policy out no. there and expect. Yes, they will comply, but they will be kicking and screaming the entire way. Because a new trend also in the workplace, and this is more about management and less about space, is radical transparency and authenticity. Mm -hmm. So you need to share the why. Why is it Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Why is it Tuesday? Like, like, why? And there has to be a good reason because these are people's lives and they don't take it for granted that they have to be there every day. So there has to be a draw. And I do think that space can play a huge role into whether or not people are productive, whether or not they feel connected. I mean, think about, so there are products now like Soundscape products where you walk in and there's, you know, spa zen music. Mm. I mean, think about how that changes everything. Like you walk into a spa, my shoulders go down, my breathing slows. Yes. I just, what if you walked into the workplace and you heard that sound, how would you feel, okay? Or here's another example. Think about what memories stir up when you smell chocolate chip cookies coming out of the oven. Like you might think of your childhood or your grandmother or your Mm -hmm. great-grandmother, you know, or going to the mall Mrs. Fields cookies as a teen. Like whatever it is, that's a really good memory, olfactory memory for a lot of people. What if you walk into the office on Wednesday mornings and you always smell chocolate chip cookies coming out of the oven? So these, these things aren't even architecture. This is just about just to make the point about how space can even change your mood and your breathing pattern. So I think space is an incredible tool and a lot of companies are leveraging it to their full potential. No, they're not. (laughs) People can't they can't see me, you know, shaking my head right now. But no, they are not. (laughs) So we're, we're talking about sound. We're talking about smells. What about even co- being co-located and, and the office design and all of that? How does that impact the way people experience work? Yeah. So you'd asked about trends and activity-based design is definitely a trend. So the idea that when someone arrives, they have a choice of where they want to work, hmm. not just for that day, but maybe for that hour or for whatever it is they're doing. So instead of coming in and this is my cubicle or this is my private office and this is where I have to sit no matter what I'm doing. Instead, I arrive and there's an ecosystem of options. Hmm. And I, you know, depending on what I'm doing, that's where I work. And they're specifically designed spaces by workplace experts so that they have the right uh, environment for the right task. So I'd say that's, that's number one. That's really important. And the other part of that, and this comes back to management, is that there's a bit of change management involved and a little bit of Mm. re-education for people. Because imagine you take someone who's never seen an automobile and you give them the keys to a Corvette 
and they have they've never seen it, and you say, "Here you go." Like they're you can gonna go wreck a lot it faster now if they you can, can figure out how to now. turn it on. <laughs> right, like they're gonna be like buttering the wheels and pushing it, and then jumping on top to like go for a ride down a hill. Like they're not gonna know what to do with it, and so it's the same thing with office space. And so part one is showing people how to use the different ecosystems, the different choices. That's number one. And then equally as important is modeling those behaviors. Mm. And that's where the management and the leadership role comes in. And I can't emphasize this enough. So I'm working with a client and for the first time, they're considering some these new activity-based spaces. So there will be a cafe that is also meant to to serve as a heads down workspace. So there are people who like working in Starbucks. They like the background noise. It helps them stay focused. The buzz gives yeah, them energy, yeah. not just from the coffee, but also from the, the whole energy atmosphere. of the sphere. Yeah. And so the idea is you can do heads down work in this coffee cafe type space. Now, an employee who's never had you know the luxury of one of those spaces before, they might be worried that their boss is going to see them there and think they're not working or not see them at a desk and think if they're not at their desk, they're not being productive. Mm -hmm. So the leader, the department head has to put it on their calendar. And I said that to this to them. Well, when you open your new space, you put it on your calendar. Mondays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., I'm going to work from that cafe. And I'm going to walk the walk and show my people that this is okay because you have to, you can't just give permission verbally. You have to give permission with your own example. That's a really good point. Rebecca, I've seen this personally with some of my clients where the office is just beautiful, very, very beautiful, well-designed spaces for solo work, spaces for collaborative work, all of this. And for whatever reason, someone on the team will say, you know, this open space is distracting. I need one of these small mini rooms to do my work here. And so they'll work out of this small little mini room. And their supervisor, their manager knows, and their manager is okay with that. However, the rest of the team and other people outside of that department don't know, and they start asking questions. Where is this person? What are they doing? Why aren't they working? Why aren't they at their cube? And it puts the manager in a really interesting quagmire because they're trying... They're like, well, they got it approved by me, and I know that they're working, but I don't want to constantly have to to stand up for this person and prove that every single person on my team is working. So have you run into that situation? That's a little bit of a, a nuance to to where you where you started, but taking it a step further, have you seen that? Yeah, I think again, it's just about awareness and re-education. I mean, we're designing for neurodivergence as well. So different people work better in different environments. And we know that. And some people need a lot of stimulation. Some people need no stimulation. They want something where, sti where a lot of the outside input is removed. And so I think it's just an acceptance that different people work better in different environments and having that trust. I think with radical transparency also comes radical trust. That as long as your team is meeting their deliverables and their milestones, you trust them to make the right decisions to get the work done in the way that best works with them. I mean, their personalities, their intellect, like everything contributes to that. Yeah, I agree. And going back to what you said before about education, how often do we get the keys to a space with no tutorial, no, hey, just so you know, 
this office has been designed with neurodiversity in mind. And here's some of the justification behind this and this space over here and that space over there. I have never, (laughs) not once, received a tutorial. (laughs) And so I think that that is something that's important for us to maybe help our listeners with is that everyone should be educated because the the traditional standard is that the, the managers and the executives, they have their corner offices, everyone else is sitting in the middle, and the managers get to sort of walk around and stare at people while they work. And we know that that doesn't work for everyone. So to your point about education and making sure that you're managing that change in a way that you're supporting everyone from the leadership all the way down to the, the end user. So important. And I think for leaders, understanding the power of their own behavior mm. and leading by example, I think is really important. And I'll tell another story and it's not my story. It's a colleague's story, but he had two young children. And during the pandemic for birthday parties, they were all drive, drive through, drive past birthday parties for you. I remember that. And, and that was a thing. So these children, I think they were probably maybe four and six years old. So pandemic lasts a couple of years. They go to their first post-pandemic birthday party and they get there and the dad goes to get out of the car and the kids stay in their car seats. Mm-hmm. And they say, what are you doing, dad? And he says, this is a birthday party. And, he, and they said, why are you getting out of the car? So, and it's the same thing with the office. You know, new graduates who haven't been in the office collaborating in person. And so I think we need to be sensitive to coming out of that, what things were working, what things weren't working. I think there are some people and some personalities that like the ability to hide behind their camera and hide in their home. Yeah. And so there's a sense of exposure in coming to an office that certain people after two, three years of that maybe don't feel so comfortable with. So Mm. um, I'm designing a new 80,000 square foot workplace right now. And I was speaking with my team and I said, I think we need to design some hiding places. Ah. In this floor plate. So because when people are at home, you know, if they need to disappear for an hour, check out mental health, whatever it is, whatever's Mm -hmm. going on, Mm -hmm. they can turn off their camera and walk away and no one can get a hold of them when they're in their kitchen or they're in their backyard. So maybe the office needs to have a couple, I'm going to call them hiding spots as well on each floor. So we're looking into designing some hiding little secret spots that each department will know about where they can duck in and just have some alone time. Okay. Not would, be found. Would these hiding spots also be enriched with activities or would it just be like this quiet room? <laughs> is it just a room that is a working space that no one knows about? Or is it like a spa room or something like that? I think it could be a variety, you know, and I think time will tell which ones are, are most popular. But, you know, there are things you can do. So if someone's in a, if there's a, a manager in their office and they don't want to be disturbed, even if they're not on the call, you know, they put their earphones in Mm -hmm. and they don't make eye contact. And that signals don't disturb me right now. Right. But for some people, that's not so comfortable and they want a place to hide. You know, I need to knock this thing out. I need an hour, undivided attention, no interruptions. And so making space for that is just as important as having spaces for community, collaboration, inspiration, Mm -hmm. innovation, all of these. Yeah, more and more social activities. Oh, this is very cool. I can hear your passion for this. And I'm wondering what has helped you in your quest to to be a better you so that you can be, you can create these amazing spaces for others. 
So I think it's too bold. And I was thinking about this. I know your podcast is about levity. And I was like, what? Where do like, where's my inspiration for levity? And I, I have two small children mm-hmm. and it's a hundred percent them because for a two-year-old, the future doesn't exist. The past actually doesn't exist either. Right. They live in that now. moment and little things are huge. So like focusing on the little things, they only exist in the realm of little things. That's like, can true. I have the green crayon right now? No, I only have a blue crayon. Life is over. So I think I'm really lucky because I work at a place that gives me the flexibility to check out when I need to check out. So I'm that type of person where you're probably not going to get a hold of me between 5 and 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. because my world stops and I have a different role. I'm mom. And I pick up the kids and we have dinner as a family and we bathe them and they go to sleep. And it's this amazing fast pace. I'm still working really hard, but it's a different job. Two hour whirlwind Mm -hmm. where I focus on the small things and the past and the future don't exist. And it's amazing. And then, of course, I get back on my laptop and catch up on the things that I missed those two hours. But I think giving people permission to structure their day where possible, it doesn't work for all fields, but in a lot of cases, it does work to structure their day in a way that allows them to live their best lives will also enable them to be the best employees they can be because they're going to have a sense of gratitude around the culture and and appreciate it. And I think about trying to improve others' lives as well. It all goes back to leading by example. So I've had junior designers. There's one who wrote me a letter a couple of years ago and she said, I just want you to know it's so important that you don't build a wall between yourself as a mother and yourself as my design lead, because it shows people like me who consider themselves, you know, five years behind you, that it's possible to do both. I don't mm. have to hide that part of myself. When it is my turn, you will support me and you'll fight for me and protect me and make sure I'm able to do both. Yeah. So I think that's important, you know, or if maybe for you, maybe it's fitness, you know, tell tell your group, listen, During lunchtime today, from 12 to 1, I'm going to go do a yoga class because it's my work from home day and I need that in the middle of the day to reset and it makes me do better work. So I'm going to do that. So just being really transparent and no one's going to judge you. Your team's going to think, oh my God, that's awesome. I'm going to do that too. And if they do that, you know they're still going to get their work done and they might do what I do. They'll catch up more at night, you know, if they need to still make sure they they, they pull their weight and they put in their time, but they're going to do it with a sense of gratitude Mm -hmm. that you appreciate them as a person. Yeah. I agree with you. And it makes sense, you know, when you have those conversations and you know that you have that baseline of trust and, all right, you're in your role, you understand your role, you know what you need to do. But we also know that there are all of these other things that are a part of your life that are important too. So let's not pretend that stuff doesn't exist. (laughs) We we can no longer pretend that you don't have a life outside of these walls. So yeah. And I knowing that. that we don't know everything about every teammate on our That's team. Right. I mean, does someone have an aging parent that relies on them daily? Does someone have a disabled child? Does someone have, you know, do dog rescue? Like you, we have no idea what's going on in people's personal lives. So I think giving grace to the people we work with. And I also think keeping perspective. So my brother is a doctor. I am not a doctor. <laughs> if something comes up and I need to take a sick day. You know who to call. No one's going to die. So for all the doctors out there, you can't say that. But for most of us, no one's going to die if we need to take an hour or a day. And so, yeah, just keeping perspective. What we do is important, but it's not life or death. So speaking of important things, 
that are also not life or death, but still very important. I think it's a good segue into the scenario that we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Okay. So we've got a situation where, and I think in this particular instance, I asked you to put yourself in this situation. Let's say you start a new job and you have a boss who seems a boss. I say a boss. You've got a boss. You have a manager who seems a little bit robotic. And we've been sitting here just talking and going back and forth about how important it is to recognize that the person that you're working with has a life, has ambitions, has dreams, goals, activities, interests, all of that outside of work. And to ignore that would be leaving just it's a complete missed opportunity to get to know that person, to have a loyal person on your team who knows that you care about them. And so they're willing to invest in you as well, because you said it so eloquently, people commit to people, right? So you've got this this manager who's a little bit robotic. You're not sure if they're always going to be like this or if this is just a temporary thing. What was your impression when you went through this scenario? So I would be not the manager, but the person being managed by Sir Robot or Madame Robot? Correct. Correct. Okay. So, I mean, I personally, I would test the waters. I would share not, not, I mean, like stuff that's a little bit personal. Or I would ask them, oh, how was your weekend? You know, I did X, Y, or Z. Because... I think when you start to share your humanity, people start to share theirs and it doesn't have to be the exact situation. I mean, Mm -hmm. I obviously connect really well with other parents of young children, but there's a lot of similarities and things we can I can bond over over anyone who's in a caregiver role. That's right. And everyone is in a caregiver role. No one exists on an island. Like everyone has connections and other people that rely on them. There, I don't know anyone who doesn't have people in their lives that, that they're connected to or they rely on. So I think it's one of like, that's like the universal connector is we're connected to other people in our mm. lives. And so I would say starting by being a little bit generous with information and see how it's received. And it just might take time. Like maybe this is someone who doesn't open up on day one and that's okay. You know, we said everyone's different. So I think having a little bit of patience and not trying to pry it, pry it out of them. So you're referring to something that people may have heard of and may not have applied it to this, which which is the law of reciprocity. So oftentimes when we tell someone something about ourselves, they feel compelled to share something about themselves as well. Right. And it's similar to the pay it forward situation where you go to Starbucks and you pay for someone's coffee, well, that person will be more likely to do something kind for someone else. It sort of has that ripple effect. And yeah, you don't want to pry. You definitely don't want to kind of force the issue because you never know if they are in a situation where they don't feel comfortable. And I've spoken to leaders who, believe it or not, are in that camp where they're just kind of like, I don't feel comfortable sharing anything about myself. I was taught that you don't do that at work, that you just focus on the business. How do I do this? How do I show my humanity as you are asking me to do? Does this mean that I I just need to tell people everything and I tell them no? That doesn't mean that you have to tell them everything. (laughs) 
that just means that you need to be really strategic and thoughtful about what you do share and maybe think about what would be helpful for them to know in based on where they're at in their stage. So if they're just starting out, maybe you tell them about what life was like for you when you just started out so you can relate to them. So yeah, I completely agree with you. I wouldn't go full force <laughs> right until, off the bat. You have to tell me everything about yourself, Sir Robot, Madam Robot. But give them time because maybe it's just first impressions and maybe they have to get to know you before they let their guard down. I think that's natural. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not the type of person who gets on the subway and wants to tell a stranger everything. That's not me. You know, it takes time. And then I think that's okay. And give, just have a little patience and give that person the time to see if they offer anything. I love that. And then let's relate that back to workplace design. Because I know and you know that there are ways that you can design a space that make it more likely for people to want to chat and connect. And there are ways that you can design it that make people go, oh, I'm just going to stay in my bubble over here. So do you have any recommendations? Yeah. So one thing, even in these spaces where we offer the ecosystem of choice and different types of space and where you can work, we still cluster them in neighborhoods so that you're running into the same people all the time and they're the people you're actually working with. It's the same idea with an actual neighborhood. You know, when you're taking out the trash, you see neighbor Katie across the street taking out her trash every day. Hi, neighbor Katie. You want those interactions to happen and and they should be with the people where functionally it makes sense because you are working closely on projects with them. So I think this idea of designing space in neighborhoods and then within the neighborhood, there's choice. We've seen that to be really successful in building community and giving people a sense of belonging. And then there's something that's funny because I did this even before hybrid work was a thing. This was probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. I was working on a project, but it's really relevant now, which is kind of cool. I was working on a project and I toured the space. It was a media company, media and production. And I toured their space and I noticed that all of their designers were always doodling on their notebooks. And there was like amazing doodles everywhere. Beautiful. So in their cafe, which was going to be the heart of their space, Mm -hmm. I got we got these subway tiles and we invited all of their graphic designers, all their marketing people, all these crazy doodlers to come and we gave them Sharpies Hmm. and they doodled on subway tiles. And then we gave the subway tiles to the tile installer Mm -hmm. and he installed that as the splash in the break room. So there's this idea, but especially now with asynchronous meeting and people coming in at different times of the day and what do they say? Ships crossing in the night. Mm -hmm. How do you leave your mark? And how is the space yours? You drop your anchor. And so that's something we did 10 years ago as a way to drop an anchor. You know, I was here. This is my space. I have ownership over it. And there's this incredible mosaic that's really personalized. When when they take their kids to work day, look, dad did that, mom did that. That's my tile. It was really cool. And so... That type of thing is really relevant now. And so my team's starting to brainstorm, like, what are other things like that where you literally put people in the architecture of the space? That is so cool. I love that. I had never, this is the first time I'm thinking about office design in the way of neighborhoods. It's such a cool way to look at it. And how do you plant your anchor? Is that what you said? Yeah. Drop your anchor. And I was recently watching the Obama movie on work, which it's, I think it's on Netflix. It's a documentary. It's, I think it's three parts, work in America. And 
in the documentary, they said the human mind is the greatest natural resource. And so if you think about that, like, how do you protect it? How do you nurture it? How does space nurture and protect the human mind? How does space nurture and protect the human mind? And how do you prevent burnout and fatigue? How do you inspire? Like, if you think about the workplace as a space to nurture the human mind, I mean, it's interesting. And how Mm -hmm. does that improve your bottom line? Mm -hmm. Because it's all related, right? I, I don't think those two things are disconnected. I think if you have people that are committed and energized and inspired, That's really good for your bottom line. Oh, for sure. I'm just writing down what you said because I think that's a really cool connection. So with that, we can close on that, right? That's how we did it. Rebecca, what's on the horizon for HED? What's on the horizon? That's a great question. We have a lot of projects starting up with some really cool companies, some government, some nonprofit organizations. There's a lot of fun stuff in the works. I'm trying to think what else. Revolutionizing government spaces is needed. It's So government spaces are interesting. (laughs) Thank you. Government spaces are interesting because they're partly for the public. They are designed with taxpayer dollars, but they're also for the people that serve Mm -hmm. in those roles and serve the people. So that has been really fun to work on. So so you're going to be working with some government spaces as well as some nonprofits. That is so cool. And also private companies. We work with a lot of really creative companies that want to design spaces to attract the best talent and keep that talent engaged and energized. And that's really fun for us as well. Yes. And Rebecca, if anyone is interested in learning more about HED and what you all do, where should they go? So our website is HED.design, but you can always drop me a line on LinkedIn, Rebecca Swatter, S-W-A-N-N-E-R, like the bird. And I'm always happy to have a chat about workplace or chocolate chip cookies or whatever else is on your mind. Yes, I love chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) All right. So I'm a squirrel. We have established this. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate this conversation. Hopefully everyone at home, in your car, in your office, you are enjoying this conversation as well. Check out the Lead with Levity podcast page for more information about Rebecca as well as HED. Thank you. Take care. It's nice to talk with you. You too. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead with Levity podcast. To get resources mentioned in this episode and find out what we're all about, Check us out at leadwithlevity.com.